Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. This has been a great year for St. Andrews. This year, we were able to finally do so many of the things we have been working toward since I joined you in September of 2020. We added a children's ministry, including a Sunday school class, a children's area in the church, and a children's sermon during the service to make St. Andrews more inviting to families with children. We were finally able to renovate our daycare buildings and get a consistent tenant that along with our capital campaign funds from last year has helped us to fund some major deferred maintenance and buildings and grounds projects. We have removed some older and sick trees in order to prevent them from falling on buildings. We have had sadly many funerals, happily many baptisms, and even a wedding and a baby sprinkle. We were even able to spruce up our memorial garden this year including a new and finally functional fountain for the enjoyment of our parishioners, both past and present. So many years ago, we talked about needing to set a firm foundation so that the ministry and mission of St. Andrews had stable ground to grow. And over the course of three years, we have done just that. We have stabilized We no longer pick and choose which bills to pay and which ones to send to collections. We have volunteers glad and willing to serve on Sundays, to lead classes Wednesday nights, to grow our lay ministries. We are truly a cross-generational church for the people of Jacksonville. But that is not a place to rest. This is not the time to get comfortable, to take a step back, to pat ourselves on the back and say, well done, good and faithful servants. Today, we see Jesus walk by fishermen at the Sea of Galilee. He doesn't just ask them how the fish are biting and keep on walking. Rather, he sees Simon and Andrew and says simply, follow me and I will make you fish for people. This line is an invitation. It is a summons. It is a call. And something about this call must have been overwhelming, because at this one line, the two men drop everything they are doing and follow Christ. These are not bachelors with nothing better to do than fishing and video games. No, these are men married with responsibility for a household. They have wives and children, parents and in-laws they are supporting. They have lives. They're probably pretty comfortable. And Jesus, with one call, disrupts the lives of those fishermen and all who depend on them. Jesus, with one call, disrupts the fishing industry and these family businesses. Jesus, with one call, changes the course of each of these men's lives. What about this call to become fishers of men? is so undeniable, so compelling. And are we as disciples called to fish for people? What does that even look like? When I was a kid, I used to love fishing. My grandfather got me hooked at a young age at my great-grandfather's house on the lake in Tampa. 
For hours, he would help me bait my hook, starting with bread balls and moving on to worms we dug up or later crickets from the bait shop. Then I'd sit on my great-grandfather's dock and catch brim after brim and the occasional catfish. Unfortunately for him, I didn't quite understand that fishing could be quiet. So for hour after hour, I talked and talked and talked about everything and nothing. And after hours of me talking and occasionally catching a fish, my grandfather would help me clean them and we'd have them for dinner. When we become fishers of men, we are not knocking on doors and beating folks over the head with our favorite translation of the New Testament. We are not standing on college campuses or on street corners with a megaphone. We are not handing out chick tracks instead of candy on Halloween. Those moves are more like clubbing baby seals. Instead, we are fishing. We are baiting our hooks, throwing our lines out into the murky water and waiting for a bite. We are listening to our coworker talk about a rough patch in his life and inviting him to join us for dinner with some guys from church. We are lighting the Advent wreath and saying prayers with our grandkids who have never even been to church. We are having dinner with friends over a glass of wine or two and uh, asking those deep questions. What do you think happens after we die? Fishing is about throwing out a little bit of bait and letting the fish come start picking around those edges. Then you wait to see if they take the bait before you try and set the hook. As I learned quickly as a kid, when you get too impatient or aggressive with fishing, you scare the fish away. Fishing for men is the same way. Since the beginning of time, man has wondered about his purpose here, the meaning of life, and his relationship to a creator. No matter how scientific we get, how advanced we think we are, science can only answer the question of how, whereas religion answers the question why. So we continue to seek answers through philosophy, literature, and religion. The reason fishing for men works is because we all have a deep spiritual yearning to know why we're here. And who created us. When we have a friend who genuinely is interested in exploring that with us, who wants to know our thoughts on those deep, important questions, we often take the bait. Even the most logical among us seems to have had some experience with something larger than him or herself, something that can't rationally be explained, something spiritual. And people do want to talk about it. So why are Episcopalians so weirded out about fishing for men? Or the big, scary, proper word to describe this behavior, evangelism. Well, probably because some of us have been exposed to the clubbing baby seals style of evangelism. Direct questions about whether we've been saved, being told our type of faith is insufficient, or being judged or condemned. Again, this is coming on too strong. You are going to scare the fish away. But what if we took a genuine curiosity in our friend or colleague or grandchild's faith? How have they come to know God? 
What do they think about their relationship with their creator and their neighbor? What if we didn't go into these conversations with an agenda of conversion, but instead just seeking to understand? And maybe, just maybe, if the opportunity presents itself, to share our beliefs with, a, with this colleague, friend, or grandchild. You don't have to prepare an elevator spiel. As we hear today in Deuteronomy and again in Paul's letter to the Romans, the word is near you, on your lips and in your heart. Your faith is part of you. And when the right time comes for you to share, you will know what to say. You don't need to push hard, and you don't need to be a salesman. In fact, it might be better if you leave them wanting something more, something to let them ask you about when they are one day genuinely curious. But you can't catch fish if you're not standing near a body of water. You are going to have to put yourself out there and occasionally cast a line or a net. Sometimes you cast a line and the fish just don't bite. And that's okay. But other times you'll be amazed at how little effort you put in to catch a whole mess of fish. In fact, in a recent survey, 80% of current churchgoers attend because someone invited them. And in another survey, 82% of unchurched people said they would be likely to attend a church service if invited by a friend or family member. So if fear of rejection is what's holding you back, get over yourself. You stand a good chance of getting a fish or two just by inviting someone. And luckily, you are not the only fisherman on the dock. Jesus has called us all to be fishermen. And he's helping us to bait our hooks with bread balls and worms and crickets. And to clean our catch when we haul them in. He even shows us where the fish like to hang out. Jesus has invited us all to follow him. And he will help us fish for people. And maybe a little time fishing with Jesus is what we and St. Andrews and the kingdom of God really need. Amen? Amen.